How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Adam Sane podcast, where you get to know a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Today, I'm hanging out with my buddy, Craig Odom. That's right. That's me. Of multiple different, I guess, industries, if you will, have had a very uh, diverse set of skills that you've kind of applied to multiple different things, and I'm super happy to have you on the show. I appreciate you having me. Fantastic. Well, uh, let's kind of start by, uh, I guess, telling me a little bit kind of like what your, I guess, daytime work is. Like, what do you do as a profession? So my profession, I am in the car industry. Okay. So I am a, um, a car salesman. I okay. guess that, that would be the term that we use where we see ourselves more as consultants showing people how to purchase things. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. And yeah. how long have you been doing that? Five years now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, there's uh, often, oftentimes a uh, negative connotation that comes around, you know, being a car salesman. What, what are your thoughts on that? So I'd say about 20, 30 years ago, everybody had that negative, like, you know, 1970s car, car salesman ideal that we sure. were always out there to just get all your money and do all this. And I mean, I guess that's how it was years ago. But these days, it's just, it's as simple as when you come in, I show you the proper way to purchase a vehicle. That's right. Uh, in fact, you know, uh, there's been multiple vehicles that have gone through you uh, that, mm-hmm. you know, coming from my end. Uh, and I think more importantly, you know, your approach to what you do is one that uh, there's a lot of passion behind it. Uh, Absolutely. You know, the, I, I started noticing uh, a lot of the content that you used to put out, um, you know, just kind of like of the persona, like, you know, <laughs> yelling into the camera. And I was like, all right, well, this guy is obviously onto something, right? So kind of like take me through that. How did that start and, and why did you do that? So I've always been um, an outgoing person. Okay. I've, I've spent the majority of my career in restaurants and bars. Mm-hmm. So if you're behind the bar, obviously, you know, you have to be an outgoing person. You can't be shy and timid and whatnot. But I'm generally just a laid back person. So my I just brought my bartender side out into the world. Gotcha. Um, I didn't, when we got there the first year, they wanted to start trying to put a face with the name. Mm-hmm. So you know how when you put a, a lead in for a car, you would just get text messages, bombarded with emails, things like that. So we decided to do short videos and it was just, hi, my name's Craig. I'm your, you know, I just want to put a face with the name. It wasn't exactly like that, well, but. That's how it started. <laughs> but, you know, I, I have like a, you know, I have an issue with my eyes. Okay. So whenever I look at the camera, I look at the camera and I don't notice it, but I'll switch. Uh-huh. And it looks like my eyes are doing this. Uh-huh. So I, that gave me like real bad self-confidence. Oh, it did. So if you ever notice in those first videos, I'm always wearing sunglasses. Okay. So it's like I'd put the sunglasses on and I would like transform into like that, that weird, crazy, you, sure. know, you know, I just wanted to get the energy out. Sure. We're, you know, we're excited about showing you cars. We're excited about your purchase. We want to make it a fun event. We don't want it to be, oh, they're trying to get all my money. You know what I mean? No, it, I mean, it's a car. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just, it progressed. And then we finally just started doing like test drive Tuesdays. Uh, I think we're going to start doing like carpool karaoke, you know, just fun stuff, you know, showing about the cars. And um, you've been on on one of our test drive Tuesdays. That's right. That's right. And it's just, it's a fun event. We want to make it fun. So so let's roll it back right quick. You know, uh, the one thing that kind of like stood out to me was saying being very self-conscious. And obviously uh, that's something I think a lot of people struggle with, especially putting content out for either your business, uh, for, you know, marketing or whatever it is. 
um, you know, how, how did you overcome that? Because, you know, the, the glasses aren't always there They're anymore, not always right? there anymore. I've, um, I've, I've thrown the Clark Kent persona to the side, and it's That's just, right. you know, now it's just, you know, what's up, Facebook, big beard and all, you know what I mean? That's right. So it, it, basically, if, if you're going to start doing something, it's, it's scary at first. Mm-hmm. You know, anything like cooking is scary. You don't you don't know if you're going to burn this. You're going to do this. Um, doing any of your hobbies is scary. So you just need to take that that leap. You know, like um, skydiving. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you you set it in your mind and you just do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people they they try to get everything. Well, I need cameras. I need this. They just make an excuse. Um, we had a conversation before. Remember, and I was talking about I used to love to draw. Mm-hmm. And what I love about you and our friendship is you call me out on my BS. Yeah. And you're like, no, that's BS. You got time. And I was like, <laughs> you're right, Adam. You're right. That was me just telling myself, you know, no, I don't have time to do this. You have time to do this with your business. Mm-hmm. You have if, if you want to be the best in your industry. Get up and do it. Mm. It's it's very simple. Mm. You know what I mean. If you want if you want to have someone looking at you, give them a reason to look at you. That's right. You know the the worst thing that you can be in any business is obscure. That's right. You know, so you want to be out there. You want to be in everybody's face. Comment. Talk to people. You know, be upfront and honest. You know, give them give them a person to see. That's right. Now, if you want to be fun, I like to be fun. So you know, I, that's when I turn the camera on. That's when I just go click, and I'm fun. That's right. You know, and then, you know, and then, you know, me like from purchasing vehicles, I can go and be serious. That's right. When it's time to be serious, I can be serious. But, you know, but the, the car stuff is just, I love it, man. So so tell me kind of like what, what the impact of doing those type of videos were for kind of like your, your sales, you know, uh, I guess, uh, making it known that, you know, you are the person that people should go to. Because like people want to experience at the end of the day. They're very like much when, when people purchase a car, it's not so much about, okay, well, you know, absolutely the decision of the car is important. But they also want to feel like, you know, family. When they come and step into that dealership, they don't want to feel like they're being sold. So for this, That's so right. On. That's right. So I, I like to see it as the person isn't a customer. Mm-hmm. They're a guest. Mm-hmm. And that comes from years of restaurant experience. Mm-hmm. You treat everybody like they're your, your family, like they're your, they're your favorite person to see because they are your favorite person to see. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's an issue, I want them to call me. Everyone has my cell phone. You've seen me up here millions of times. That's right. You know, helping Kevin with his. That's right. And um, I, I don't mind doing that. I want to give service after. I, I don't want to sell you one vehicle. I want your entire family to come to me. I want to be your car guy. That's right. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people, you know, You've never even heard of these people, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I want to be out there in your face. I've noticed in 2020, I stopped doing as many videos. Mm-hmm. I was letting other people do videos. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of backed off. And that did, I did see my sales. Diminish. Really? Yeah. Um, I never push, come see me. Mm-hmm. I always push, come see us. Because mm-hmm. I want everyone at the dealership to give the same experience that I would give. Mm-hmm. Um I do need to get back more into that. I did start doing more with YouTube and things like that. Sure. So it pulled me away from that. But this year, I think um, I'm going to start building back up the, the Facebook thing. I didn't have anybody knowing that I was selling cars. I just, you know, you just put on Facebook, oh, now I work at this place. You know? Sure. So I took the 5,000 plus Facebook friends that I had, and I just started doing daily videos, mm-hmm. talking about cars, letting them know that I'm here. If you need something, come see me, you know, you know, and doing the, the dinosaur suits, the fun stuff, Sure. you know, and I, I want to make it, I played off of that, that, you know, crazy car selling thing to a fun aspect. Sure. And um, that's just how you have to be.
Yeah, it's been amazing to watch kind of like that growth. Um, you know, you've been kind of skirting around the, the edges of this. Uh, the, you know, you've been mentioning uh, bartending, service industry. You've also, you know, have various different other things that you're involved with. Let's start at the beginning. So how did you, like when you, did you come to Statesboro? When did you come to Statesboro? I came to Statesboro in 98. I graduated um, mid-year 98. So when I graduated, it was um, January. Because I wasn't the best, the best student. I had to make up for things and, and take an extra half a year and all that. I hadn't always been the, the focused person that I am. Uh -huh. um, so I came here in 98, and the first thing that I needed to do was to find a job. Yeah. So I was going to Geechee Tech for technical drawing and drafting. So that's what I have a degree in. I have a degree in technical drawing CAD. I ended up getting a job as a doorman in a bar. Mm. So I would be the person who checked your ID, who would take your money, do that. One night, the bartender was sick. They threw me behind the bar. I don't even drink, uh -huh. but I know how to mix things. Sure. You know, and, um, and it just, it went from there. Next thing you know, I was a bartender. Um, I got an investment opportunity and I purchased my own bar in Statesboro. I had it for about two years. Turned Which around. Which bar? Um, I owned a bar called The Corner Pocket. Okay. Where, you know where Dos Primos okay. was? It was right there. I, I purchased that from a friend of mine. They just wanted out of their lease. Um, the funniest thing about it was I just acted like I was the bartender. At no point in time did I ever act like I was an owner. Yeah. And it was like, oh, well, I know the owner. Okay, cool. I'll uh -huh. make sure. You know, you know, <laughs> you know it, it'd be like, it'd be like kind of like if, um, if you rolled in and, they, right. and they didn't know that you were the, the top dog. That's right. And you just, and I could just treat everybody the same way. That's right. That's um, very cool. It was a pool hall. Uh, I didn't know anything about owning a business. I just took it, ran with it. I got it for, I think, $3,500. I, I bought it out there, there. And that's a, a, min, a minuscule price now. Yeah. So I bought their lease, and then I got added onto the liquor license, and I kept paying them rent throughout the entire thing. Sure. It was fun. I yeah. loved it. I realized this is what I wanted to do. You know, I mean, uh, you just make a, a ton of money, but you don't realize the things that you know. At that age, I didn't know anything about credit. I didn't know anything. All I know is I could, I could have fun and make money. So it was pretty cool. Then I ended up selling that and then going back to working with a friend of mine at El Sombrero. I worked at El Sombrero the majority of my time as a bartender in Statesboro. So that's where most people know me from. I'm this bartender from El Som. Yeah. Um, with my friend Rami, who owns uh, Bites mm -hmm. and a smoking place. And then him and his brother opened the Sahara Smoke Company, mm -hmm. which is hookahs. Mm. Ended up having tobacco issues where it couldn't come in from the ports. And I'm like, man, I can make this tobacco. And I got called out on it. So a friend of mine called me out on it, one of the owners. And I was like, I researched it, researched it, researched it. And the next thing you know, we had a tobacco company and we're making tobacco. That's awesome. It was, it was pretty cool, you know? I, you know? And these guys are still like, you know, friends of mine, like family to this day. Mm -hmm. And it was just a fun experience. Mm -hmm. So I just, like, uh, like I said, I just try to see how many, how many things I can get into, sure. you know? And I just try to, try to add that whole customer service you know, aspect to everything. I, I think that's a critical skill, right? It is. Um, you know, you're, when new challenges arise, um, you kind of like take it by storm and try to figure out like how you're going to do it. So coming back to the, the hookah company, um, how is that posed? So, you know, you said that they had difficulty getting to tobacco from from import. So you have to get you have to get tobacco back in the day from over uh, overseas. Mm -hmm. So everything came from either China or either um, the Emirates sure. or anywhere over there, the Middle East, Jordan, 
and you had to ship it in because there was no American tobacco companies. Mm -hmm. So everything came from this one area and that would get stopped at the ports. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh no, you can't get this. So you'd have people wanting to get their product and you couldn't supply them with their product. So it became a supply and demand. Mm -hmm. So then we researched it and was like, okay, well it can't be this hard to do. I mean, you can cook. Yeah. It's the same thing. Sure. You know, you can, you can make beer. It's the same thing. Sure. You know, so we got into it and we've made an American tobacco. Nice. So we took the, was it the very first American tobacco um, that I know of? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Like we're the reason that, in Statesboro um, in, I think in the U S yeah. Yeah. Well, so, it was made in, in Statesboro. Statesboro. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you have one of the largest hookah manufacturing uh, facilities in Statesboro, Georgia. Who would have known that? Nobody. 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 And, and, and it's still in Statesboro. It's yes. still operational. Mm -hmm. Still operational. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's just a cool thing. It was just two brothers with a, with a dream. Mm -hmm. And when I see somebody like that, I, I jump. You know, like, you know, I support all my friends yeah. in any of their adventures. It's like, let's do it. Let's go, go, go. I just want to be, I'm like, I'm like a hype man. Let's, let's do it, do it, I do can, it. I can dig it. And uh, that ended up turning into a big thing. So we'd go on trips to like um, Vegas and Atlantic City. They went to Germany one time. I mean, it, it was just a cool thing. It was a cool, it was a cool life to experience. Uh -huh. And then it just, the hook industry just exploded. Yeah. I think when we started there was only 10 flavors of hookah mm -hmm. tobacco and like four manufacturers. And then we got the crazy idea to let's, um, let's, let's add a new flavor. And they were like, what? Oh, that's crazy. You know? Yeah. And I think our first year we had the eight to 10 traditional flavors. And then six months after that, we had 16 flavors. Then we started a, a side part to it. It was like mixing. Sure. So we made our own personal mixes that got up to about 65 flavors Wow! of just mixes. Uh -huh. It was just wild. And then we had like a traditional line that came out Then we had an herbal line that came out and it was for people who don't want to have tobacco. Mm -hmm. It was just fun. Why is, uh, why is there not a, with the manufacturer here, why is there not more, I guess, of a hookah culture in Statesboro? There was. So in I think 2007, uh, my friends opened up Oasis. Mm. Okay. And there was already like two or three diners around that was hookahs. And then we offered a, we made a tapas bar, you mm -hmm. know, you, you, you know what a tapas is. Yes. Right? Okay. Of course. So we opened that and gave Statesboro, um, like a, a, a more elite mm -hmm. place to go to where you could smoke hookah. You could have nice drinks. You know, if you wanted to go and party, you could party and whatnot, but it was more, it was less rowdy, more, more refined. Sure. Then there was an, uh, right beside us was another hookah bar and, um, the, the walls make it difficult to do things like that. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants smoking in bars mm -hmm. Well, you're technically not smoking. You're, it's like a 2000 year old vaporizer. Sure. That's what it is. Sure. So it just kind of fades out. Mm -hmm. It's easier for people to have their own hookah at their house, their personal hookah and do it that way. So it's just, you know, then with the invention of vapes, sure. vapes are the new hookahs. Gosh. I will probably get tormented in every hookah group I'm in for saying that. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of like Pepsi versus Coke. You, sure. know, like, you know, I can't believe Craig just said that. Sure. <laughs> but uh, um, it was it was a fun thing. It, cool. it was very fun. It was a wonderful life experience. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm all about learning about people's cultures. I like that a lot. It's because I, I just want to know, know people and talk to people and get their story. I love that. So uh, we, we've done the hookah thing. Now what, what happens next for you? So I left the hookah thing um, and I ended up going to purchase my very first car. Mm. I'd always paid cash for everything my entire life. And I went over to J.C. Lewis Ford and my friend Russ, you know Russ. Mm -hmm. he's, he's friends with, with your dad. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then um, I know my buddy Tim. 
Everybody knows Tim. Sure. Tim, if you don't know Tim Humphrey in Statesboro, you, you get your life right. You know? <laughs> I've known Tim since I was 15 years old. Um, and I called him and I said, Tim, I have a situation. And he goes, what's wrong? And I was like, well, I don't have any credit. I said, I don't know how to purchase a vehicle. Um, I need to build credit. Uh-huh. You know, I was like 36 years old. I had no idea about any of that stuff. No one taught me any of that, which people still don't teach their kids that. Sure. So I walk in and I said, I found a car I like. I know I'm going to have a high interest rate and I just need to get a car. I have something to trade in. I, so I went through the process the proper way. I didn't know I was doing it the proper way. Sure. Uh, Tim picks on me because I bought a red car and I despise the color red. And I said, I said, well, I only have to see it 10% of the time, but the interior I, I'll see 90% of the time. Yeah. And that's what I'm happy with. Sure. And, uh, and Russ goes, that sounds like a car salesman right oh. there. So I sold myself. Yeah. So when I was in, in the finance office um, and coming out, Russ and Tim offered me a job. Oh, really? Yeah. Just right there? Right there on the spot. And I, I was like, you know, I like what I do. I'll think about it and whatnot. And honestly, it's something I wish I would have done years ago. I love my I love my life experiences I've had, but I didn't realize the impact that it made on my life mm. having, having a job like this. Mm-hmm. I get to help the community. I get to help people. I, it's just, it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really fun. I've done so much in the past five so years. So you actually turned the job down. Yes. Yes. I turned the job down. And, um, I and was, at that moment in time, were you pursuing something else? You were still doing, I was still hookah. doing the tobacco okay. and the hookah stuff and whatnot. And, um, I turned the job down because being young, I was like, no, I just want to have fun. Yeah. You know, I, I want to have fun. I didn't think I'm like, you know, like they like, you can make this much money. And I was like, I'm making this much money now. Yeah. But then I didn't realize there's a difference between making, this much money having taxes taken out and health care and 401ks and stuff like that versus going slinging some drinks behind a bar and just putting money in my pocket. Sure. So I think it was, I think that was my adult moment where it was finally when I was like, well, I'm an adult, mm-hmm. you know, I need to do this the proper way. And I wish I would have done it, you know, years earlier. So when, when, so when did you actually make that switch? When did you kind of like get down the road where you were like, all right, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue to bartend anymore. Cause that was your main source of income. Yeah, at that's that time, my, right? I think during that time in Statesboro, I was making about six to $8,000 a month. Wow. Bartending. Wow. You know, you understand you can't just hold money like that. Sure. You know, I, I had no idea what to, you know, I was just spending on stuff. I'd go out right. to eat every day. Sure. You know what I mean? I like to eat. So, <laughs> you know, everybody has their, everybody has their vices. Mine, sure. Mine's food. Yeah. So then I realized I was just spending all this money on food. Sure. So I was like, I don't have any, any savings or anything like that. So then I, I was like, no, I need to be an adult. Let's do this. You know? And so five years ago in, it was in May, May 12th, five years ago, I took the job with the dealership and I had to learn how to do everything like that. It was and it was life changing, mm. you know, like so. And people, like I said, look down on car salesmen. I don't understand why. Let's take me that back to that sure. moment because, you know, sometimes uh, maybe some people that are listening, they are dealing with something that's very similar. They're mm-hmm. making a huge life decision. Um, how did you, can you recall the way that you felt in that moment? And, and what was going through your mind? Yeah, I was, um, I, I was with the hookah company and we were, we were doing good, but I wanted to make more money. I didn't realize I needed to make more money because I would, I would supplement my money from, you know, the bar. And then I had my, my money that I was making from the hookah company, but I could be making so much more money. Well, you know, obviously the only way to make more money is to either get a raise, sell more, more drinks or sell more product. Mm-hmm. And I was 
I was tapped out at what I could do. And I was, I pulled everybody into the office and I let them know I was leaving. I mean, I was crying. I was mm. upset about it because it was like I was leaving my family. Sure. And they were supportive about it. And they're like, well, you know, do what you got to do. You know, I wanted to, to have a house. I wanted to have, you know, family. I wanted to have all the sure. stuff that everybody else had and not just keep renting all the time. And it's just, like I said, this is a life changing event. Yeah. You know, and it, it, um, it's just, it's hard to explain in words. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good with words sometimes. I'm, I'm quick witted, but I'm not good at getting some of my thoughts out. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, everybody goes to their job and I, I'm, I joke around, I'm grumpy at work a lot, you know, and, uh, and they're like, why are you so grumpy? I'm like, if you're not complaining, it's not work. Yeah. And that's just, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just being silly. You know what I mean? But, um, I enjoy being able to help people. Sure. I've seen people in different situations where, you know, some people can come in and just stroke a check for something. Some people have went to a place and they've been taken advantage of. And a lot of people don't understand that, you know, if you get a vehicle and you have a high interest rate that you can refinance, mm-hmm. you're not stuck in that. Sure. You know, uh, little tips that you can help people with. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to show someone how to purchase something properly so that every two years they can come back and get something new. Sure. They can start here and work their way up. So if they want to, if they want to get that F-250, mm. they can get it. Yeah. You know, and I show them the way to do it. They just, it's kind of like we're a financial advisor. I love that. You know? And I think it's great. If you give someone a fair deal up front and treat them with respect, they will come back to you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in places get the bad persona of not doing that. It seems as if one of the, you're at your core, you just want to connect with people. I do. You know, uh, whether it be bartending, whether it be, you know, through the hookah industry, wh- whether it be through car salesmen or whatever it is, there, there's still, there seems to be this unifying thing where, like, it's very people-driven. Mm-hmm. And, and that at the core is why you make the decisions that you do. Um, and the road doesn't end here, right? Like, no, there's, no, no. There's continuous more that you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Take me into that, because that's one of the ones that I'm kind of like, why, <laughs> of all things? You want to talk about the snakes, don't you? Let's talk about the snakes. <laughs> well, so so uh, tell me how you got into, I guess, that industry. Okay, so um, we'll have to go back even further. Okay. So I think when I was still doing my own bar and stuff like that, I had a girlfriend and uh-huh. she was into like reptiles and okay. stuff like that. And I've always been into turtles and lizards. I'm a dog person down sure. the heart and I love dogs and cats. And she bought a ball python and I go, okay, it's a snake. It's just one of those cool pets. So then I think it was, I actually just told this story on our YouTube channel. Uh, I think it was a year into that for her Christmas present. I bought her a Burmese albino python. Mm-hmm. And that's that big yellow snake everybody sees in all the videos. It's a big sure. Burmese python. All right. So that is not a ball python. Mm-hmm. A ball python is a very docile creature. A mm-hmm. Burmese or a reticulated python, they will come out at you like that. Yeah? Yeah. So I buy her this baby three-foot-long albino Burmese. The first thing I did was reach in there to pick it up like I did mine, and I came back with it stuck on my hand. Yeah. Oh my oh, goodness! Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's you know it's, it's you're going to get bit. I mean, you, I mean I mean you're going you're going to get bit. So um, my buddy Tony, uh, that's who I do the snake stuff with. He he owns Hardwired Exotics. Okay. I come in and I help him with this YouTube channel. He's he's a very facts driven person. Okay. So I'm I'm very fun. Yeah. And I can be fun. So I I come in and I try to keep it fun mm-hmm. and do that. So she ends up leaving. And I get stuck with these snakes. And then her roommates leave. How and many I, snakes? I ended up 
I had, she had one and I bought her another one. And then obviously it was too big for her to take care of. So I, I took care of it. Then she moved back to Atlanta and like everybody in Statesboro, they move and they leave their pets. I cannot stand that. Mm. So me being me, just bring them here. Yeah. So I think my apartment, my bedroom looked like the red light district. It, uh, it was just, you know, just purple lights and red lights everywhere from heat lamps. And I had about six snakes, uh-huh. six snakes and two Tokay geckos. Uh-huh. And those are mean. That's the little Geico geckos. Uh-huh. Yeah. Don't ever pick one of those up. They'll uh-huh. bite you. They're like little pit bulls. Sure. So I had that. And then my Burmese got to be about 12 foot long and died of a respiratory infection. Mm-hmm. And that was me just listening to pet stores. Oh, this is how you do it. Here's how you take care of them and whatnot. And if I would have known then what I knew now, I'd probably still have that snake. Mm. And it was just gorgeous. I loved mm-hmm. him. So a few years go by, I'm in the car industry for about a year. Uh, I see Tony's posting snakes up all the time. And I messaged him. I'm like, hey, man, you doing snakes for a living? And he goes, yeah. I said, I love that. That's uh-huh. awesome. Because uh, back in the day, him and I did dog breeding together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I want to come see him. And I get out there, and he's got this just room that you see in the videos. It's sure. just snakes everywhere. Yeah. I was like, this like is so the, cool. little, the, the little drawers, drawers and everything. Well, because where they're from in Africa, they prefer to be in, in dark places. Sure. They're either underground or in their ter- termite mines. So they like to be all tightened up. And um, I was like, back in the day, they had this snake called a, a pied bald. And pied in terms is like my beard, mm-hmm. where it's lack of color and then color, like mm-hmm. a calico cat or something like that. Or you'll see spotted horses. They're pieds. And he and I said that like that was the cool morph back in the day, and that was a hundred thousand dollar snake. Mm-hmm. And he was, oh, I got one right here. And I was like, oh, he goes, have you ever seen a, a all white snake with blue eyes? And I was like, no. And he pulls one out. And I was like, and right then, my brain, me being me, I go, I want it. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm buying it. When uh-huh. I when you know me, when I see something I want, I just yeah. get it. <clears throat> so I bought that one. About two weeks later, they had another one that was all white, and this one ended up having like a purple thing on it. And I was like, I'm buying it. So. With snakes or any reptiles, you will understand you can't have one. Uh-huh. They're like lace potato chips. You have to get more, 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 more. Sure. So then I bought more, and then um, I, I went to like a snake show with them, and I was like watching all these YouTube videos. I'm like, look at this guy, this guy. Oh, this is so fun. This is cool. And he's like, well, I'm not into that stuff. He's not social media driven. Sure. And um, I was like, all right, we got to do it. And he was like, no, no, no. So one day I'm in there, and I just go live on one of these snake groups. Uh-huh. And it was a clutch of eggs. And I go all right, guys, I'm going to pull this clutch eggs, you know, and you're all going to see yeah. me do it for the first time and yeah. whatnot. And I was like, wait, I got to hold the camera. Uh-huh. And I was like, hey, Tony, do it. And he was like, really, dude? And I, so I just called him out. I made yeah. him I made him do it. Yeah. So then um, the channel is his wife's channel. We're just the people that she films. Sure. And it was just, next thing you know, it's just become a thing. Yeah. More people are watching. More people want to see it. More people want to talk about it. And it's just fun. We have about 2,700 followers right now. That's crazy. And it's just, but it's just fun. Yeah. And it's just like our, our, it's what I do on my day off. Sure. And it's just fun. It, it's very interesting to me. Uh, it seems as if there's always, at the core of it, there's something that's very entrepreneurial about you. Yeah. Right. Like you'll always try to, you know, be in, you, you'll, you'll have an opportunity and then you'll kind of like push it and nudge it along its way. Um, have you ever thought about, uh, you know, you had that bar uh, by yourself. Have you ever thought about starting a, a business yourself? So I, I need to, um, I was talking about that the other day because I'm to the point now where my collection is going to be more breeding. So I have about 47 snakes right now, which people are like, oh my God, that's a lot. And I'm like, I don't have enough. Mm. So um, I'm to the point now where I need to start thinking about that as a business. Mm-hmm. And it's like my side business. Sure. And then for stuff like that, you just need to pay attention. Like, I mean, just to supply my collection with rats to eat. 
because they eat. They're not. They don't eat carrots, y'all. They eat rats. <laughs> um, if I were to buy that from Petco, yeah, that'd be five dollars a rat. Uh-huh. Forty set times forty-seven. You see what gotcha. I mean? Or I can just go to my local feed store uh-huh. and buy two hundred dollars worth of rat food sure. and just turn my shed into a rat room. Gotcha. So now I have like this like farm of animals in my house. Sure. So you have to. In this hobby, you have to think like a business. Sure. So my collection is pretty much a business. Got you. Um, I think I'm due to do, due to do, uh, about fifteen to thirty clutches this year. Mm-hmm. And so that you, you really got to think because then you'll have to find someone to purchase those and, and things like that. So your hobby is building your collection. But what are you going to do with all the babies? Sure. So you have other people out there in the world that they're like, oh, I, I could use that for my collection. Okay, sure. here, let's let's do it. And it's just a huge community. So pretty much all of the people in the hobby have their own business. Mm. And it's a business of that. That's right. So it's, it's pretty wild the amount of reptile people in the world. And they so, – so the strategy there is because they are breeding mm-hmm. – um, because they are kind of like creating, I guess, more and more reptiles, you need to find places to be able to sell them. That's right. Um, do they usually sell to other hobbyists or are they mainly selling to like maybe starters or how does that work? So it's kind of like, um, I got all mine from, from Tony and then we found other people that had things that I wanted to, to pursue and we would get them from those breeders. There's an entire website called morphmarket.com and that's where all the breeders go. And it's broken down by genetics. So when it all comes down to it, they're all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, like I've said before, just with different skin tones sure. and tattoos and stuff. Sure. So you're just you're making the same thing just with a different paint job. And a lot of the people purchasing these, you know, five thousand dollars snakes, ten thousand dollars snakes, fourteen thousand dollars snakes, are people like us that are just trying to make our collection and see what the next cool thing can be. Sure. And so that's what it is, is um, the rest of them, you have people who are on larger scales, sell to pet stores. So it's, it's mainly on, you know, the patterns, right? That you yes. Can, that when, after you crossbreed them or do whatever, um, they basically change the patterns on the, on the skin. So you have to do, um, how are you in, how are you in biology class? I was decent. Okay. All right. So you know how you have the little square where you put this gene and that gene. Sure. And that's, the, that's what we do. Sure. It's, it's math. Sure. So every, all my stuff goes back to math. You sure. Know? And, um. So you're playing odds. Uh-huh. So like if I stick this one, that's going to be an albino with this one, this het for albino. I know my ratio to get these are going to be these and that. I'll, I'll send you links to all the stuff and, and you'll watch it and you'll be like, oh my God. That's very you know, cool. It, it's wild. So, so with, the, with the hobby as a business, you know, there's a lot of people that have hobbies out there. And it's crazy. Like we live now in a world where that can happen, where, yes. you know, because information is so accessible and there are online communities mm-hmm. there, and then there are kind of like, I guess, markets that you can push your products to. What would you suggest to be, um, how do you start to do things like that? Is it more of a innate ability that you can do that? Or do you think that anybody that has a hobby can turn it into a business? That's a good question. I think nowadays um, with how the past two years have gone that a lot of people realize that someone wants their product. Look at Etsy, things like that. Um, people that do 3D printing, people that, that make things out of leather, anything. Um, the, the grails that you mm, make. Yeah. I mean, that's a wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and all it took was you having an idea and going, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people 
can do that. They can have a home-based business. They can have, you know, a, a, a digital store, if you will, but they just have to have the drive. Mm-hmm. It's the same as, um, I want to go to the gym. I know I want to go to the gym, but I like to eat. Sure. Hmm. Craig, get up and go to the gym. I don't have the drive to be like, okay, I'm going to get up and go to the gym, but I do have the drive to go. I want to make money. Sure. You know, I want, I want to help people. I want sure. to do that. So I, so I, I have that drive. Uh, some people ha- don't have a drive to fold their laundry. Mm-hmm. Other people do have a drive to fold their laundry. It's, and I think it's just in the back of our minds that they're just, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Within 40 years down the road, you missed your later. So, you know, you, you bring up a great point. What is, what is something that you would like to tell somebody that is thinking that maybe something is a little bit too difficult or, you know, don't have the motivation to pursue what they want? Just just take the step. Just do it. You know, we hear it all the time in our job. Um, oh, I'll come in tomorrow. Well, I can't promise it'll be here tomorrow. Mm. You know, that, that life, you're not, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Mm. You're guaranteed today. Yeah. And you might not even make it through the day. Mm-hmm. So if you see something you want, if you, if, if you seriously want something and you want it bad enough, you will do it now. Mm. And it's just like, it's like Zach said something. Um, if you see something on our website online, it's probably already gone because mm. someone's in here doing it. They're, they're doing it now. Like, um, if you, if you wanted to do this, you would, you would think about it logically. And when your mind went click, do it, you jumped and you did it. Sure. Someone else would be thinking about it two weeks later and be like, well, Adam already did it, you know? And it's, you know, people just don't have that. It's, it's that with anything in life, mm-hmm. you see someone you want to talk to, don't be scared, go talk to them, mm-hmm. you know, because if you don't, someone else is, That's right. you know, I mean, you wouldn't let your, you know, when you saw your, like anybody out there, when you saw your wife, you saw her and you knew that's my person. That's right. If you hesitated, that would be someone else's person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's with anything in life. So strike fast. Strike fast, strike hard. <laughs> well, Craig, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the show today. I really appreciate, you know, hearing the stories, uh, finding out a little bit more about kind of like your life. Um, you know, I think it's very inspiring, uh, to say the least, when, you know, you have, you know, some, somebody that has traversed everything, you know, your, your care towards customer service, I think, is extremely valuable. And I'm, you know, honestly, I'm looking forward to everything that you do in the near future. I appreciate as well. it. But um, keep me updated. I appreciate you having you on the show. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. I appreciate it. Cool, man.